Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about everything from Gundam anime series to movies to music, lore, gunpla, anything and everything that is related to Gundam. And today, we're checking back in with our pal, Tobia Aranax. Ah, uh, Tobia. From Crossbone Gundam. The manga series that we read that I thought was going to be trash initially, <laughs> and it ended up being one of the greatest Gundam things ever made. So, Isaac, now that you love Crossbone Gundam so much, do you get a little bit nervous every time we go back to that Crossbone Gundam well to see, like, is the new one going to, like, fail to live up to your expectations? To an extent, because the story ended so well... Mm-hmm. And Jupiter was so defeated that it, it's kind of like what comes after. Right. I would compare it almost to like Star Wars in a way. The Emperor was defeated in Return of the Jedi. The Empire is defeated. To continue on, what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? Yeah. It's got to be something pretty great. And if it doesn't stick to landing, it's going to stink. <laughs> it might taint the original for you, right? Absolutely. They might Game of Thrones it. Yeah. Well, actually, no, that doesn't compare because that was just one ending that soured everything that came before, <laughs> not a new beginning that soured kind of the whole franchise. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> yes, I understand. Isaac's just a little bitter, <laughs> listeners, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. I've reached the point in my life where so many of the things I've loved and cherished have just gotten just ruined by corporate greed. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it was always that way. Anyway... <laughs> So listeners, today we're going to start a review of Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam Steel 7. This is a three-volume manga series that was published from uh, May 2006 to July of 2007. Uh, You can basically find it on the internet, scanlated by various groups over the years. It is not officially available, just like all of Crossbone Gundam. Isaac, I don't really see any of Crossbone Gundam becoming available anytime soon in English. No, it's not. So you need to hope a little bird whispers in your ear where to find it online. (laughs) That's right. In terms of background, Isaac, this is still written and illustrated by Yuichi Hasegawa, the same guy who wrote and illustrated Crossbone in uh, Crossbone Skullheart, obviously with Tomino's input to some degree on the original. And the logline is, the year is UC-0136, shortly after the events of Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam Skullheart. Bernadette Briette's stepmother, Europa Dogati, flees to Earth to warn the Crossbone Vanguard that the Jupiter Empire is back and building a giant colony laser in order to destroy Earth. Tobia must race against time and agents of the Empire to recover a means with which to get to Jupiter and to recruit the best pilots he can muster for what seems to be a suicide mission. Wow, that's a lot to take in. (laughs) It's a solid premise. I love suicide mission premises, Isaac, I'll be honest with you. It's a solid premise, but at the same time, part of me is like, really, the Jupiter Empire still kind of puttering around, you know, threatening Earth? I thought we took care of this problem. Yeah, well, you you may be proven wrong, Isaac, so shall we (laughs) jump into it? Let's jump in with both feet. (laughs) So today, listeners, we're going to recap and review Volume 1. So, Chapter 1. Tonight, once again, Europa falls behind Zeus. Hasegawa always has the really good chapter titles. Very dramatic, this guy. I love it. It matches the high quality of the whole series, of the whole franchise of this Crossbone Gundam. It does. It does. <laughs> so as the logline stated, it is UC-0136, Isaac. This is three years after the original Crossbone-Jupiter War. That means our man Tobia is now 18 years old. He's a full-fledged adult. Wow. Time flies when you're saving the world. <laughs> so Isaac, we start out with someone named Lady Europa under attack in her siren-looking suit, which I believe was called the uh, Diona or the Dionas. Uh, from the original Crossbone Gundam. She's under attack by Jupiter troops who are calling her a deserter, and they're saying, Sieg Dogedi. How's that for a Zeon callback? <laughs> yeah, in death, much like Zeon Zemdaiken, Crux Dogedi has been deified. He's been raised to the level of legend and godhood, where they, um, you know, his goons and his little minions, the followers, they'll, they'll invoke his name just like they do with Zeon. Yeah. I was okay with it. I felt it was okay. It was appropriate. I had to hold on to my chair because I got Zeon flashbacks. <laughs> he was like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> I was like, oh, the, the wind got knocked out of me. <laughs> I'm going to need a glass of water. <laughs> got a little excited there. I was like, ooh, I better lay down. <laughs> so she is basically lost. She ejects and prays for help and what appears but the Crossbone X1. Yay. Which is clearly being piloted by our man, Tobia. As usual, Isaac, he shreds all the Jupiter forces. The entrance again here for the crossbone was great, expelling the heat from the mouth vents. I maintain that this will look great in, you know, 50 years when they animate this. (laughs) I hope so, yeah. Oh, God, can you imagine how crisp it'll look, too, with, like, modern animation? Man. 
Uh, look good. So obviously Toby, he saves Europa, who was floating around in space because she ejected, and he, he gives her the, the terrible cover story again, Isaac, that he works for Black Rose Shipping, uh, <laughs> which we saw in Skullheart, <laughs> and he takes her back to the ship. I don't know, that Black Rose Shipping doesn't really work for me when you're piloting the crossbone gun to Isaac. No, but I mean, <laughs> it's such a thinly veiled, like, what a weak lie, right? It's paper thin. <laughs> I work for a shipping company. That's my Gundam, by the way. <laughs> we just happen to have top of the line military equipment protecting our uh, our shipping routes. <laughs> the mechanic, Uman, complains that he ruined yet another mantle and that they don't have the parts to keep fixing them, which I guess is this the author's way of saying this is why no, not everyone has a beam mantle. I think so, and also showing that, you know, even after victory over the majority of the Jupiter Empire's forces, they're still on the shoestring budget. If anything, they have less money, because there's no mothership anymore. There's no mother vanguard. (laughs) That's true. They're still puttering around. (laughs) Even at the best of times, at their full strength, they had, like, the Gundams and then a handful of support mobile suits, right? They were never a large force. This was a small strike team. (laughs) Now they can't even afford the beam mantles, the beam cloth. Now they are delivering your Amazon Prime boxes. All the way to Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Europa doesn't believe this story, you know, bless her heart, and she pulls a gun on Tobia, asking if they are the crossbow vanguard that killed Princess Tetanith. Uh, so obviously the, the ruse did not last long. And, you know, here, Isaac, I gotta say, Europa, she's got major spacesuit cleavage. So Hasegawa is clearly a man of culture, and crossbow, he gave us rosemary, uh, raspberry, and, and now we got Europa right off the bat. And spoilers, the two are going to meet up in this story. <laughs> <laughs> Will she be appearing on the Brian Boo bounce counter? Uh, I think if we ever did a, a list, yeah, we'd have to put both of them on there for sure. In combat, we can only imagine they'll be swaying to and fro. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, Nataro and Ramius from uh, Gundam Seed. <laughs> but Bernadette appears, welcoming Tobia back, which stuns Europa because Europa alludes that Bernadette should have returned to Jupiter so that she could have stopped something that Europa couldn't. She thought Bernadette was dead, uh, and she's not, and all of a sudden she's on the same ship. So Tobia uses this opportunity to disarm her, and he kicks her into the wall, Isaac. He kind of overdoes it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Does he? I mean, if she punctures the hall or, like, a a viewport, I mean, they're all dead. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) And then this causes Bernadette to scream, Mom. So now the audience were like, oh, no. That's Bernadette's mom, at least in some form. What did you think when when she said mom, Isaac? I thought to myself, I could have sworn Crux said she died. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, Crux is the source. Are you telling me that Dogati lied to you, Isaac? In a stunning twist, the evil villains lied to us. (laughs) (laughs) Never. We weren't given the facts. (laughs) So yes, Europa turns out to be Bernadette's stepmom, so Dogati's second wife. And uh, Europa is very young. I think she's she's got to be, what, in her mid-20s at the latest? Yeah, I doubt she's in her 40s. Right. <laughs> Maybe low to mid-30s. Yeah, she's not an age where she would be Bernadette's biological mom, typically. So the Crossman Vanguard here jokes about one of their members, Yona, not understanding why Dogeti would want a young wife. And this joke is still relevant today, Isaac, <laughs> with all this Prince Andrew, uh, Jeffrey Epstein stuff in the news. I was like, here it yeah. is in my damn Crossbone Gundam. The gay is responsible for Epstein's death. <laughs> <laughs> he was writing on the Epstein Express. Pretty much, yeah. He was, was a frequent flyer. <laughs> <laughs> for Europa. For more ways than one in this story. But they then, they then assign Bernadette to search Europa in the shower. Of course. So we have our once per volume shower scene quota check for Crossbone Gundam. So we already hit it. Chapter one. Naturally. Bernadette explains that she's accepted that she's now Bernadette and not really Tetanith anymore. But turns out she's been going out with Toby Isaac for three years, but they haven't kissed. What's up with that? This is firmly in in Tobia's fault, right? (laughs) Because as soon as, you know, the enemy wreckage, the wreckage of the uh, Divinidas was was crumbling and burning, that's when you plant the kiss, right? (laughs) Yes. At the celebration party, when the champagne's out and everybody's cheering, that's when it should have happened. I don't know what the hell is going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you you didn't go in for the kiss after then, you know, that that was your time. It's never going to happen at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Europa wants to know why she left, why Bernadette left, when all of a sudden Isaac, those same Jupiter troops from before who were all damaged, approach again. Toby launches and the flints launch, Isaac, which means the flints are back. How happy were you to see the flints back in action? I was ecstatic. I didn't think they'd come back, but... Once I saw them, I was like, okay, now this is clearly a sign that we've got quite a force that's going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Jupiter remnants. 
like I said, Isaac, it's the same guys as that attacked Europa before, but this time they've strapped explosives to themselves and are basically trying to kamikaze the Crossbone Vanguard ship with Europa on it. And at first I thought, this is a very dark turn, but then I realized, no, it's just that's just Jupiter. That's just how they are. Yeah, it's a very Jupiter move. Like, I don't even think Xeon does anything remotely like this. Mm-mm. I don't think so. No. But of course, Isaac, you know, they kind of just get beat up by Tobia. He slashes their explosives off. He saves one of the pilots, which earns him a bit of respect from Europa. And then Isaac, Europa drops the bombshell on us that Dogati's ultimate plan is still in motion, even though he's dead. Jupiter is constructing a colony laser capable of striking Earth from Jupiter called Zeus's Thunder. And at this point, I was like, of course it would be a colony laser. I don't think we mentioned that in our Super Weapon episode, Isaac, so I think we need to go back and amend it. What did you think when uh, they revealed this? I- I've lost count now. Third, fourth, fifth colony laser? <laughs> I thought to myself at first, much like the characters, how can it hit Earth? <laughs> it's, it's in Jupiter. Like the, the distance is mind-bogglingly far. And then very quickly, the characters started discussing it and pointed out that, yes, it's far, but it will still happen. <laughs> yeah, so we begin chapter two again. I'm just mentioning these uh, chapter titles, listeners, because I think they're great. Chapter two, the bird that danced on the moon. We start talking about this laser. We find out, Isaac, that not only is Jupiter like building a colony laser, but they're like real serious about this. They're like more serious than anyone has been about their colony laser in the past because Europa's like, yeah, by the way, they plan to fire the laser two weeks from now. And by the way, they're going to fire it 12 times as the Earth rotates just a little bit. And they're going to start with the Federation capital. They're being very thorough about this. It's Jupiter. They do things very well. It's very well planned. None of this, you know, half-planned Xeon stuff where you're always fighting against your sister or your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they go all in for sure. You know, Tobia is obviously upset. He says, we have to go stop it. But Uman is like, hey, man, you should leave that to the Federation. And I bring this up because Uman mentions that they're still backed by nobility, which I thought was interesting. So what does that mean at this stage? Does that mean they're still backed by the Butch concern somehow? I think so. And I think that was also just a callback to why are some of these people still with the Crossbone Vanguard? And oh, of course, he still believes in the ideals of Cosmo Babylonia and the whole aristocratic elite society. So I still want to fight for that, even though I'm not really fighting for that. I'm really just protecting Earth from insane, murderous (laughs) militants on Jupiter. Yeah, that's fair. So I assume that means you're one of your favorite characters, Sherry, is at least somewhat still supporting them. I hope we see her again, because as we saw in the last one, she's got really a lot of power, even though it's, it's very subtle, very understated. So all the crossbone here, they're upset because it's going to take three months to get to Jupiter, but the, the laser's firing in two weeks, Isaac, and they could get there if they still had the Mother Vanguard with its Minovsky drive and its sail of light. So the new director, Anmo, she's already been contacting people, even Judah, Mr. Stoke, who's upset now that Jupiter was somehow able to build this colony laser right under his nose since he's doing his little shipping job. So, you know, way to go, Judah. He didn't notice the giant laser being built. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> Look out the window, Judah. <laughs> so Toby is like, hey, you know what? We need to go visit SNRI on the moon because they're they're building this thing called the F-99, Isaac, and they're studying the sail of light from the Mother Vanguard, and he thinks that the F-99 is maybe what they need to get to Jupiter. And by the way, they need to go get some supplies from them anyway. So they head to the moon, and they see the F-99, Isaac, with the wings of light, uh, which look like a mini version of the sail, which also looks like the Wings of Light if you've seen Victory Gundam on the V2 Gundam. But here we are, about 20 years before Victory Gundam or so. So th- this is like a pre-version of the Wings of Light. So w- what was your thought when you first saw the F-99? So these are called the F-99 Record Breakers. Uh, again, the, the crossbones are actually the F-97s. Have you seen the color version of the Record Breakers, Isaac? No, I haven't seen the color version. Is it Zeonic? <laughs> uh, sort of, yes. It's, it's bright Ooh. red and orange. Okay, wow, very messer, right? Yes, it is a very loud color scheme, which I guess makes sense because they're very fast. Right. I mean, I saw them and I instantly thought, that looks Xeonic. Like, it, it almost looks like a, I don't know, something a Neo-Zeon remnant would throw together. And then one of the characters kind of points out even, I think it's Otis. I think his name is Otis, the guy that runs SNRI, at least on the moon. Yep. 
he says it, it looks kind of not Federation ish. But um, before we present it to them, we all, you know, we're going to slap on a Gundam face <laughs> and everything will be good. And I was like, aha. So the Gundam face is totally cosmetic. Like it serves almost no use. I said, okay, very interesting. Very interesting. So they went with the, the tried and true, uh, simple, efficient Xeon approach with the, the, the very simple face. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different looking suit. I agree. It looks a bit Xeonic. It also looks a bit Victory Gundam like. Like, I, I feel like we're bridging the gap between, like, the weird designs in Victory Gundam to what came before that, so. Yeah, definitely. And th- you mentioned Otis. He's also complaining that SNRI is basically bankrupt now because they were secretly providing the crossbones to the Crossbone Vanguard during the Jupiter War because he thought that they were going to be using them over in Jupiter. But then they went and brought them back to Earth as part of the war, and then they apparently they sold... He, he basically in, implies that the Crossbone Vanguard sold the crossbones to the Federation, which then revealed that SNRI had been working with them, and now, like, you know, no one wants anything to do with SNRI. So now he's hoping that basically they can sell the F-99 and, and get back on their feet. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. This really comes down to, are they going to be successful right now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> which uh, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so they make a bit of a plea. Toby is like, hey, can we have him? And he's like, you know what? We'll give him to you because of your director, Anmo. He calls him like their former I- SNRI's former idol. Does that mean that she used to work for SNRI or he just likes her? What did you yeah. take that to mean? I was thinking like, did she used to work there? And she was like, not so much the star pupil, but like the employee of the month, the employee yeah. of the year, something like that. So like they all are aware of her. But yeah, what? It, yeah, that was such a weird thing to say. Cause like, I don't know. At first, I thought, oh god, is she gonna be like a pop culture icon or something like that? That's kind of what I took it to mean. I thought she was yeah. like, you know, like a pinup girl for SNRI or something. <laughs> and, and he just had a crush on her, and he was like, oh, you know what? Well, you got her, so you can have the record breaker. I thought she was gonna be like the Taylor Swift of the moon or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So Otis brings in his F ninety nine test team, which uh, has four people. Isaac, we got Minoru Suzuki. And then three pilots, uh, Derek, Jan, and Ulysses. And so Suzuki is kind of like, I don't know, they're... The lead test pilot. Yeah. Minoru, or Suzuki, I'll call him, he says that an F-99 can get there in a week. But he says, Toby, your plan's not going to work because you need at least seven units to pull this off. That's a bit of an arbitrary number. Hasegawa is going for a, a seven samurai angle here, I think, Isaac. If I was doing this, Isaac, I'd be like, give me as many people as I can. Like, what, you know, why do you need seven? Well, they're scrounging up people since they don't really have enough. So they're hoping they can get to like seven minimum. But right now, I don't even think they have seven people. Yeah, not <laughs> or, really. Or half that. I mean, they've got Tobia plus those three guys. And that's that's kind of it. They're technically not even combat pilots. They're just, they're testing the machine. And then all of a sudden, Isaac, they are ambushed by mass-produced Jupiter Gundams. They don't have biobrains this time, but it's the same, you know, hardware. Which, that's got to be terrifying. Right, because we saw the Jupiter Gundam basically have Judah and Tobia kind of at their knees last time. Now it was being piloted by Amuro uh, or a version of Amuro, so it, it's still not a good sign when when multiple Jupiter Gundams show up. No, it's not, especially with the Moon and SNRI not necessarily being the most well defended location. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That said, Isaac, the F-99s, they make short work of these Jupiter Gundams. They're so much more maneuverable. They've got their wings alight, and they kind of just slice them up. But then, Isaac, a two-toned bird-looking mobile suit approaches and just straight up kills Yon and blows up his suit by slicing him up with, like, its claws. And Europa reveals that this is her little brother, the new Jupiter president. His name is Callisto's Shadow, and that bird mobile suit is called the Cornix. This thing is terrifying, Isaac. To me, it looks like there may be some listeners out there who have seen one of uh, Tamino's other series called Or Battler Dunbine, which we may review at some point on this show. It's basically like fantasy Gundam. It looks like an Aura Battler from that show. It also looks like Femto, which is a, a version of uh, Griffith <laughs> from Berserk after he becomes like a god. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the, the 20-year-old anime series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it also reminds me of a Chozo statue from Metroid. And uh, the character Sirius from Bomberman 64. So if you put all those things together, that's what this thing looks like. I don't know. What did you think of the Cornix, Isaac? It's a death bird. <laughs> and I think the original name, I imagine they it wanted it to be Cornish, as in a Cornish game hen. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like the bird. Because, yeah, the other name doesn't 
quite mean anything. Sort of like how uh, Tortuga was really should have oh, been yeah. Tortuga and Turtle and all that, right? Yeah, that's fair. For whatever reason, the Jupiter Empire really loves animals. Like, they have <laughs> no animals in Jupiter, so they really like the idea of like putting animals into mobile suits and mobile armors. But I saw this thing and I thought, okay, so the Jupiter Empire sent some some little officer to go deal with the moon base. But that's not at all what happened, is it, Brian? No, he's like literally half of the leadership. <laughs> As we find out. <laughs> I just, r- reminder, we're in chapter two of a 15 chapter series and already the leader of the bad guys has shown up like on the good guy's doorstep and he's like already just killing all their So, yeah. I mean, again, I think we've talked about this before, but Hasegawa, the author, he's great at what you called raising the stakes last time, Isaac. And may I just say that off the bat, he shows that he's completely different than Crux Dogeti, who didn't lead from the front lines. 100%. Yeah, he's he's out there doing the dirty work. Dogeti stayed back. He came, I guess he went to the front line at the very, very end when he absolutely had to because it wasn't going to work yeah. out. But this, well, yeah, you're right. They're, he's leading <laughs> off with like, I'm going myself. Yeah, he's leading his troops into battle. He didn't even bring that many. No. I believe later on in this volume, they say he brought probably about 20 Jupiter Gundams with him. So a small strike force, bigger than what the Crossbone Vanguard has, but still very small, relatively. In the third chapter, the demigod sings of despair. Europa says if he came in person, then he must know that the F-99s can reach Jupiter, and he's here to make sure that nothing disturbs the plan. She calls him Isaac the half-human, half-god, and he has this weird appearance. What does he look like? He's like right down the middle of his face, and I assume the rest of him. He's two-toned, so the left side's one darker color, and the other side is a lighter color. It's very bizarre. It's very, I don't know if anyone here remembers like Street Fighter, but I think there in Street Fighter Alpha 2, the new villain was named Gil, and he wanted to be a god, and he had the mm. exact same paint structure. So I don't know, maybe this is something within, um, you know, Japanese or greater uh, East Asian culture where the line down the middle and the two colors, guess what? That has godlike meaning of some kind. I mean, it's also very yin and yang. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Power. Strange. But he's nuts. <laughs> just like his chosen paint, body paint, whatever it is, he, he's just as insane as Crux Dogeti, his predecessor. <laughs> right, yeah. You'd, you'd think maybe they would like twist it and he'd be like super sane, but no, he's exactly as crazy as he looks. So, you know, he calls Earth a vile planet, Isaac, and he, he can shoot backwards. The Cornix is special because its limbs can like move all directions. Like they're not limited to one directional movement from like a normal elbow joint. And so he, you know, he's looking one way, but then he uses his arms to fire behind him, which kind of takes everyone by surprise. It, that's uh, pretty genius. I'm surprised we hadn't seen that before. Yeah, I liked how it really, I don't know, they called it a mobile armor, but it was really just a large mobile suit in a way, I guess, at least as far as I was concerned. But yeah, it really um, broke the mold of fighting like a human-shaped robot by rotating backwards and then even its own limbs rotating and then rotating again for more attacks. The poor F-99 test team here, Isaac, they've already had one guy go down. The other two, Derek and Ulysses, they jump in. You know, they're upset. This dude just killed their friend. So they go all out after this Cornix here. Tobia gets tied up with the Jupiter Gundams. And I thought this fight was interesting, Isaac, because it was weird to see Tobia in the crossbone be so outclassed here by not only the enemy but also as allies, because the Jupiter Gundam was developed from the X-2, which Jupiter took once, uh, uh, what was his name? Oh, Zabine? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not Zabine, Fabine. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't, we still don't believe he was fully Zabine. <laughs> it was an imposter. <laughs> yeah, once Zabine defected, once Fabine defected, you know, they, they used that to develop the Jupiter Gundam. And then once the Jupiter Gundam got de- defeated, supposedly, per the wiki, they developed the, the Cornix from the Jupiter Gundam. But the F-99s, they're way faster than the X-1, and they're attacking the Cornix, which is obviously faster than the X-1. So Toby is just kind of a bit of a spectator here, Isaac. You know, we went from Crossbone Gundam, where the Crossbones were kind of the king. Like, yeah, they faced adversity, but they always came out on top. And here, he's just getting his ass beat. In his defense, this thing attacks in a way that's very unconventional. It's it's a triple-jointed mobile suit. Shadow strikes again right away. He knocks some rocks on Ulysses. He flips behind him, and he cuts him and his suit in half, Isaac. I mean, like, you saw his suit get cut in half, but then you also saw, like, in the cockpit, the dude got cut in half, too. Dear God. Yeah. This manga jumps between, like, funny, funny, ha-ha moments and then, like, dude getting cut in half. So it's pretty brutal. 
he's got like uh, beam talons that, much like a beam saber, they just go right through you. But they like they don't trigger the explosion right away. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for the cockpit pilot, yeah. <laughs> and then he has a. It turns out he has a, a a beam cannon in the bird mouth of the cornix, which he shoots at uh, Derek. But Tobia uses the beam shield to block it, but it totally penetrates Tobia's beam shield and like wrecks the X one shoulder. And it also hits Derek's F-99's uh, Wings of Light. So so if you're keeping track, listeners, there were three F-99's on the moon that we really needed to get to Jupiter in time. And Callisto's shadow has already destroyed basically all three of them. Two, two of them are completely done, and he just wrecked the wings on, on the third one. So we've already seen, Isaac, the plan fail before it even started. Really mopping the floor with what should be our powerful mobile suit team. Yeah, the F-99 is the best thing we've got on, in the Earth's sphere, apparently, at this point. And he just took out three of them. Now, granted, they were the test team. <laughs> if they're if supposed to be fast, they should have been able to dodge the attacks. But right. here we are. <laughs> exactly. So now Toby is fired up. He goes after the, the Cornix because now he's like, I can't let this dude destroy the last F-99. Like, we have to get to Jupiter. So he goes in close. But Shadow closes in quicker than he thought. And he uses this, I don't even know how you describe this weapon, Isaac. It's like he's got like a, a beam weapon on his rifle that you can kind of like pull over or like rake over an enemy with. And he just cuts off the X-1's arms, slashes open its cockpit. Like he's literally looking at Tobia now because the cockpit is gone. The X-1 is completely like, this is totally defeated here. This is a bit shocking. Well, things aren't looking good for our heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Tobia asks Shadow, you know, are you a new type? And he says, no, we are psychic. How do you, what did you, what did you think at this point? I thought, oh God, are they introducing like something post new type? Like what the hell does this mean? But as we quickly find out, they're just, everyone in the story is just as confused as we are when someone <laughs> says they're a psychic. Right, exactly. <laughs> at this point, Europa jumps in and she tells Shadow to stop. And then here we get a bit of a, I don't want to call it diatribe here, Isaac, but Shadow, start, he doubles down on Professor Karras' idea that Jovians are, are a different life form from people on Earth. He, you know, he says by using Zeus's thunder, he plans to create chaos for 30 years. Basically, the, the resulting damage on Earth will, will cause people to sort of abandon the Federation for a significant amount of time. He, he says it's 30 years. And as a result, once those 30 years are over, there won't be anyone left that holds a grudge against Jupiter for doing so. And during that time, Jupiter will flourish. And that's his ultimate goal is to make Jupiter flourish and to you know punish the Federation. And although millions of people will die, he thinks it'll be worth it. And this goes back to the same idea in, in the original series that says, you know, when do humans that are on some other place become something else? And the Jovians are, are a different species than, than Earthlings. And I like that. I think that's a real sci-fi concept, Isaac, similar to new types uh, that, you know, brings the series a little bit beyond just robots fighting each other. Yeah, it's very, I don't want to say mature sci-fi, but for lack of a better phrase, I'll say it. You know, the enemy isn't some insectoid xenomorph from another world or the, the evil, you know, purple-skinned uh, space empire were the enemies. It's very George R. R. Martin. That we don't need orcs, we don't need goblins and dark lords to be our enemies. Humans are always enemy enough to threaten the survival of our species and threaten everything good in the world. At this point, Isaac, some Jupiter Gundams come in and they pull Callisto's shadow away and tell him it, they need to leave because phase two is beginning. Uh, so the, the heroes get a little bit of a reprieve here, a little bit convenient for the plot, but I'll go with it. <laughs> On his way out, Shadow asks Europa, you know, are you protecting Tobia because you've fallen in love with him? Isaac, poor Tobia, all these damn space princesses falling in love with him. I mean, this dude's just tripping over space royalty. And refusing to kiss any of them. <laughs> <laughs> the restraint that this man shows, apparently, is staggering. He's got the fortitude of a monk. <laughs> The only thing at this point preventing Toby from dying is the test team leader, Suzuki, comes out of nowhere in a flint, and he attacks, which gives uh, Toby a chance to kind of strike and get away. But then, Isaac, if, if all hope wasn't lost before, it's now definitely lost, because the whole SNRI mobile suit factory explodes with all the F-99 data and all the spare parts. So... Not only did you act, did you lose the working version, but now you can't even build a new one. So that's pretty bad. Yeah, and I imagine at least some of the engineering team is dead or injured. So right. we can't just hammer it out. <laughs> yeah, people were in the building. I mean, they, you know, what are you going to do? 
so they're all very sad. You know, Shadow basically wins here. He retreats. Everyone is very sad, upset, and now they literally have no way to get to Jupiter. Chapter 4, a six-day quest. The X-1 is being rebuilt after all that damage. Tobias starts reasoning out loud here, Isaac, that there has to be a reason that Shadow left. There has to be some other way that we could get to Jupiter, something else that he must be concerned about. And I, I want to do a quick aside here, Isaac, because in the, in the scans that we read, they kept changing between the distance to Jupiter. I think the first volume said 60 million kilometers, the second one said 600, the next one said 600 million. So just to be clear, I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> when Jupiter is at its closest point, it is 588 million kilometers away. That's 365 million miles. At its farthest, it's 968 million kilometers, or 601 million miles away. For reference, Earth is only 40,000 kilometers round. Jupiter completes one orbit around the sun for every 12 Earth years. And in today's technology, one of the more recent missions, New Horizons, it took 13 months to get to Jupiter on a, on a direct path. So Jupiter is really, really far away. Like, humans are bad at judging distance in space because our mind cannot comprehend that distance, but it is really, really far. So, I just want to clear it up. It's 600 million miles in this story, and that's at its closest. I have very little knowledge of physics, but would a light from Jupiter of sufficient magnitude be able to be seen? Well, I guess it could be seen on Earth, but could this actually work? <laughs> no, it's sci-fi, but I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, I mean... I would say it would greatly depend on, on uh, you know, how much energy you put out. I guess as long as there was nothing in the way, as Tobia points out, as long as there was nothing in the way, yeah. I don't see that it's that much different from like a gamma ray burst. Okay. Well, it holds up in theory. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, someone out there who knows more than me can, can comment. I mean, it would have to be pretty darn powerful, though, Isaac. Brian, do you think Jupiter, since they've been laying in wait for so many decades, do you think they observed the Marzion plan kind of fail? <laughs> but that they were like, okay, their weapon failed, but in theory, it was kind of a correct attack strategy, right? You just need a time when you're going to strike Earth. <laughs> we'll just strike with like an energy weapon instead of like an actual mass object we just throw. And a key point here, Isaac, would be that it also does not depend on like a volcano that erupts every like 40 years and a really rickety engineering facility. <laughs> <laughs> Built by like surviving pilots, not an actual engineering team. <laughs> I agree, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like you have to take notice of that, right? If they didn't stop it there, it would have been more of a challenge, I guess, for, for the people of Earth. I mean, maybe they would have saw the projectile coming for a few years and they, they could have just sent out a team to get rid of it. But who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At this point, Isaac Otis, who, by the way, I believe he also appears in Victory Gundam. I think this is the same Otis. It's been so long since I saw Victory Gundam, I, I would not have been able to tell you that. But I believe he's a, he's the no. engineer in Victory Gundam, also named Otis. So I can't recall that at all. Yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> so he's like, you know what, Tobia? The only thing I can think of is something called the Icarus. It's an Anaheim mobile suit they developed by scavenging pieces off of the broken and destroyed Mother Vanguard. And then SNRI watched them test from afar what looked like the wings of light on this mobile suit. However, they think that during the test, the Icarus went down and it burned up in the atmosphere. And they show Toby the tape, and he thinks it actually survived by using the wings of light as a shield uh, for re-entry, like Kincaid did in the X-1 in the original Crossbone Gundam. I really like this development, Isaac. I thought it was it was a cool mystery because it, it kind of like deepened the lore. I don't know. What did you think of this development? On the one hand, I thought, like, okay, where could this lead? But then I was like... Do we have time? Because <laughs> they're going to destroy the planet. <laughs> yeah, time's a ticking, right? They said like 13 yeah. days. and, and... like, we're kind of moving away from the threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you've got nothing else. I guess you got to follow up on it. Sure. We'll see where this leads. <laughs> you know, Bernadette, she's like, oh, well, I want to go to Earth to, with Utopia to look for this Icarus thing because I want to find out what I believe in, you know, like a real rah-rah princess statement. And Toby's like, no, nah, it's too dangerous. You shouldn't go. But we know that she's going to stow away, right, Isaac? That's what she does. Yeah, of course. That's how she ran into him in the first place. Yeah, that's that's how we're in this whole mess to begin with. She stowed away at least twice in, in the first series, if not three times. So I think it's I think she's about to make it four. Yeah. Otis gives Tobia the range where the Icarus landed, and he you know, says, go search. He takes his new X1 version, which is the X1 patchwork, Isaac. What did you think of this thing? I saw it, and the first thing that struck to me was, this is very asymmetrical for a Gundam. 
Hey, that was the only parts they had, man. They slapped it together with X1 parts and X3 parts. Uh, most importantly, the I-Field arms. I looked at it and I was like, this is a support Gundam because it's <laughs> asymmetrical. It's probably the being the one that's like hangs back and shoots from a distance with like a big cannon or something. I don't know. It was very interesting and I'm glad we got to see a Gundam that wasn't you know, what we usually expect a Gundam to look like. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. No. It basically let you know that the Crossbone Vanguard has hit hard times. Because <laughs> they, <don't, laughs> they don't have a lot of left anymore. You know, Europa's going to Tobia to, with Tobia to Earth. She gives him a locket with her lover, who's now dead. He died, apparently, five years ago fighting the pirates to show that he, she's not in love with him. I didn't buy it for a second, Isaac. What do you think of this whole Europa-Tobia-Bernadette love triangle thing? I don't know. It's it's sidetracking us from the main threat, and it feels very shoehorned in with as important as Europa is to Bernadette that she shows up now out of the blue. But yeah, I I wonder like how how long were they building this colony laser and she shows up now? You know, she really had a long time, I assume, to get here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was hard for her to get out. Maybe she couldn't escape. Uh, I suppose so. We'll go with that. Director Onmo, she's on your side, Isaac, because she thinks Europa's a spy. I mean, she very well might be. I think I agree with her. I think it's plausible at this point because it seems a little suspicious, right? She's just showing up out of the blue all of a sudden when the colony laser comes out to play. Derek and Suzuki are going too. We find out, Isaac, we got some cool lore backstory here. Suzuki, he saw Axis fall during Charge Counterattack when he was 12. That made him want to be a Federation soldier. Turns out he's also Captain Harrison's teacher. And we'll find out later that Suzuki never really saw too much combat action, but that's still that's a decent backstory, I think. Yeah, it it really ties together the UC and how really there's not a lot of peace, um, <laughs> but also that yeah, some of the characters alive now saw in, saw events way in the past. And Otis is really upset. You know, he's saying, "Look, I lost all my stuff for the F ninety nine. It's going to take us decades to get back to where we were on the on the wings of light." And that makes sense, because We Gundam takes place about 20 years in the future. So they almost had it, and they got set back by this one attack by Callisto's shadow. So again, it's kind of neat. Suzuki's really, again, focused on this seven-pilot idea. He's like, we need to find five more pilots. So on the way to find the Icarus, they're also going to be searching for pilots, Isaac. And in your mind, when you're reading this, who do you think they're going to go to? I think they're going to go to Kincaid. Goddamn right they're going to go to Kincaid, Isaac. Kincaid-o. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if they're able to recruit Kincaid here. But... I also want to point out at this point, we're in chapter four now, uh, Hasegawa has been drawing this series for you know at least four issues. Europa's space cleavage is getting bigger. Just want to point that out to everybody. <laughs> it's the gravity. It's the gravity, Brian. <laughs> Her soul is definitely not weighed down by Earth's gravity. So, uh, so Toby is talking to Europa, and he asks her, you know, what did he mean by psychic? And here's where Europa explains like what this dude is. She says that he's actually two people and they're her twin brothers, or they're her half-brothers, Isaac. I think they share them a mother, if I'm correct on that. But no matter how far apart they are, they can send their, she calls it their heart to each other, and obtain, she says they can obtain that power. But basically, they can see what each other is, is seeing, no matter how far apart they are from each other. The other half, whose name is Callisto's Light, he's still at Jupiter, like, on the throne, but he's watching all of this through Callisto's shadow's eyes. So she says they're one person in two bodies. How do you square that? with the universal century lore do you attribute that to some misnamed new type ability or do you think this is something just strange that we've never seen before i think it's something strange that we've never seen before but at the same time when i first heard them say two in one body i thought oh this is a case of like they conjoined down the middle that's why there's that line <laughs> but i didn't think to mean and then like you turn the page right and you get to like one of them's on the throne yes callisto's lights on the throne and then callisto's shadow is clearly you know nearby in the earth sphere i thought oh that's clearly what they meant then that there actually is a psychic connection of some kind okay very weird very very ungundam uh, I agree. Very little on Gundam, but I'm I'm still on board so far. We'll see how it goes. So at this point, Isaac, they're they're about to go into Earth to look for those pilots in the Icarus, and who stows away in the X1 but Bernadette? Of course, <laughs> she's just that's her power. She can stow away. <laughs> Chapter five. What awaits the search on the blue planet? So you were right, Isaac. The first stop they make is to Kincaid. They go look for him. They find uh, his bakery, which, but did you notice that his bakery's called Donkey's Bakery? What the hell's up with that? Why would you call your bakery Donkey's Bakery? That's such a weird name. I didn't catch that. Donkey's Bakery. Yeah. Ooh, comment below if you know what that means and you've read so far with us. <laughs> Is that a mistranslation or am I, am I missing a reference here? But 
it's because the rolls have a kick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's what it says on the business the card. Spicy crossbone rolls. <laughs> But when we get there, Isaac, Tobia finds out that they have a newborn second child. So we found out in Skullheart, they have a kid now, and we find out that they have a newborn now, and Tobia can't bring himself to ask Kincaid to help, because he just can't do it. He can't take him away from his family. So he leaves without asking Kincaid, and without even seeing him, Isaac doesn't even approach him, but it increases his motivation that he has to stop Jupiter so that nothing will happen to Kincaid and his family. How'd you feel about that, Isaac? I mean, that, that kind of ends Kincaid's assistance here. It really was something I didn't see coming. And at the same time, I kind of felt glad. Cecily and well, Vera, depending on what your, th- what your <laughs> thoughts on were the name, and Seabook slash Kincaido, they really earned their happy ending. They did what they had to do to save the world. So maybe they should be left in peace. This is something that we really don't see often enough in Gundam. You kind of get keep getting recalled into combat until you die. <laughs> so, <laughs> Or until the enemy finally dies. But even that never happens, right? Because even if a series is ended, there's, ma- there's manga that comes after. <laughs> yeah. If you sortie enough, Isaac, your, your number eventually comes up, right? Yeah. Keep rolling those dice. <laughs> Yeah, they have a nice ending, so it, it is a little nice that he's not put in harm's way, I guess. But at the same time, there's not a lot of like great pilots left. Yeah, and as far as pilots go, he's kind of undefeatable, too, because he, he can kind of take out a, a Divinidad toe-to-toe. At this point, Suzuki reveals that they have another unit. They found another unit. It's a Gundam F-90, Isaac, which is exciting to me, because, again, I like when uh, we see stuff from past series. And if you've read F-90 and all the other stuff or listened to our podcast... You'll know that there are there were a total of three F-90s built, and he's still calling it the F-90, so I assume this has to be Unit 1, Isaac, which is the same Gundam F-90 that we saw in the original Gundam F-90 manga, and also the same one that was in the Formula Wars video game for the Super Nintendo. It was so iconic, it had to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so iconic in a uh, one-off manga and a Super Nintendo game that likely no one played. <laughs> God, that game was a nightmare. <laughs> There's more Europa and Bernadette boobs as they take a dip in the hot spring together to help Europa adjust to Earth. What an excuse, Isaac. I mean, (laughs) cue the tasteful nudity. (laughs) So the the next person they go to to find, they're going to go dig up the Death Gale squad. So I guess that was my next thought as well, if they needed some people, if you're not going to go to Harrison. Wait a minute, why is Harrison on the list? Like, he he was not doing great. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, those new time monkeys, man, they're hard to beat. (laughs) But I mean, we're not aware of any other Federation aces, right? No, but like Harrison's only like benefit was that he listened to them. You know, he was saved by them and he decided to help them along. Like he wasn't exactly slapping around uh, Jupiter suits left and right. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, maybe he did have trouble with like the Divinidads, I guess. But may- maybe he did okay in the background against like the, the normal suits. I'll have to give him that benefit of the doubt. Sure, we'll say that. He's good at surviving. <laughs> but next up is your one of your favorite characters, Burns. I didn't expect to see Burns back, but as soon as I knew they were on Earth, they were going to go to the Death Squale, uh, Death, Death Squale, Death Gale <laughs> Squad, that Burns would be at the top of the list because he's very gung-ho about helping them. He, he practically joined them, let's face it. He did right away. He also has some very ominous words, Isaac, which doesn't make me feel good for Burns' future here. Oh, no. Yeah, Tobia shows up. He's like, hey, Burns, you want to join? He's like, hell yeah, I'm ready to give my life for this cause. And I was like, oh, man, well, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> this isn't going to go well. I mean, yeah, he's been wanting to die for a while, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot left to live for. What's he going to do, chop wood till the rest of his days? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he's out there, you know, living in the woods, chopping wood. So, yeah, he had a touching thing to say to Toby. He said, you know, your actions have given me the ability to live longer. And because of that, I'm thankful and it's time for me to risk my life here. So... Uh, next, they go. They go find Geary or Jiri. What do we call him? Geary. Geary. Right. <laughs> now it's not that though. It's Chef Geary. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Chef Geary? I thought this really came out of nowhere. I had no idea he would be in such a um, refined line of work, <laughs> since he was a bit of a homicidal maniac the last time we saw him. So yeah, this was quite the uh, comedic surprise. Do you think that Hasegawa was just watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares and he was like, I need a Gordon Ramsay. We're, we're going to turn Gary into Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or he was like, what's what's the most left field thing I could think of this person being? 
<laughs> circus? No, that's that's too Gundam Wing. We'll make him a chef. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the characters share your your surprise, Isaac, and they're just shocked. They're like, "This dude can't be a chef." But then they try his food, and they're all amazed. And I believe one of them says, "You know what Titanic flavor?" I don't know. Like Hasegawa, he's just his manga is really funny. It makes me laugh all the time, which is which is hard to do, and particularly in Gundam. You got it's a weird it's a weird tone to get comedy into a Gundam manga. Yeah, but I, sometimes it works. You know, you kind of need that random occurrence, and he, here I think it worked pretty well. So Gary refuses, but then Europa reveals herself and requests them that he help stop her brothers, and he is shocked, Isaac, that they became the president. But then immediately he tells Tobia and all of our pals that they are fools because she can never betray them. And now you're like, uh-oh, she was a spy, Isaac. Like, this is the big twist for Volume 1. And then, you know, boom, the Jupiters show up in some, some mobile suits, including Shadow. He's here on foot. He sees Geary, and Geary sees him. And that's where we end Volume 1. So we're about to see some stuff go down between Geary and Shadow. So overall, Isaac, what did you think? Anything we didn't talk about in Volume 1 you want to bring up? Or what were your overall thoughts on Volume 1? Number one, the Earth Federation has once again shown how painfully inept it is at keeping people off Earth who shouldn't be on Earth <laughs> because our heroes managed to get there with minimal damage from a uh, an automated weapon satellite and Jupiter showed up too. Mm, true, <laughs> so. yes. For all we know, like uh, maybe he cut a swath through their defense. Eh, I don't know, but you're right. It, it does seem like everyone's moving about a little bit freely. Yeah, as, as usual, the Federation's military is nowhere to be found. Is it because other than this, this is a, a time of relative peace? Are they just asleep at the wheel here? I think they're asleep at the wheel again. They assume Jupiter's gone. They're not really a threat. We took out their main fleet and army. Yeah. So this remnant, even though they just have a handful of mobile suits, they're clearly still able to kind of zip around wherever they want in the Earth's sphere. Yeah, it's fair. But overall, I mean, I'm hooked. I'm ready for the ride. I really enjoyed it. I had no idea the threat would be this scale of a of world ending doom <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea still seven would would kind of take us back into like okay the world's in trouble and here's the countdown just like in you know crossbone gundam the world was in trouble here's the countdown <laughs> <laughs> how about you ryan what do you think yeah i like it i was i was hooked so i've also read volume two i think volume two is really good it gets better just like Crossbone Gundam, I think we're improving as we go, uh, which is good. I think that's something you, you want to see and is a mark of a really good story. I'm also really happy, Isaac, that Jupiter coming back is not like, oh, by the way, we had another fleet. It's very much the same as last time. So it, while it is a little odd that they like came back and unexpected, at least they don't have like all these forces that they didn't use or something. Because or, that's that's kind of what happened in like the, the sequel trilogy, right, for Star Wars. Like All of a sudden there was just... Like, the Empire was back, but just, like, with a different name. Yeah, exactly. I guess they put all their money into the Colony Laser, right? Because we don't see really any capital ships. We see them kind of get dropped off by a transport on Earth. But um, that's about it for the Jupiter Empire. I honestly thought it was going to be a lot like Skullheart, where we might get sort of mini-stories or mm. one smaller-scale story where the Jupiter remnants kind of show up. But no, this is, like, absolutely Jupiter's is still the threat. And... I still don't get how they're going to save the day. And I don't mean that as like, you know, the the radio timey, old timey radio announcer, like, how will our heroes survive <laughs> or uh, anything like that? I mean, they're still in the Earth sphere and they have like, how much time has passed? A day? Yeah. <laughs> so, were that many hours less to get to Jupiter and blow up this colony laser, which granted in our experience, they're pretty fragile, but you have to get there to shoot it. And knowing the Jupiter Empire, it's at least going to be as well defended as they can make it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for sure. And and time's ticking in different ways, right? Like, so they have to find a way to get there, and then they have to like adapt it. If this mobile suit supposedly went down, it's going to be broken. Like, they're going to have to fix it and then fly it there. But then, how does that work? Like, are you able to take people with you? Can you install it on a ship? Like, how are you going to get all seven units or whatever you're going to take over? They don't even have seven units, by the way, Isaac. They still only have. Tobia's crappy X1. Apparently they have an F90, which, like, I like the Gundam F90, but that thing's 15 years old at this point. So, they got two suits and some flints. <laughs> they technically don't even have Geary yet. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it's not like he comes with a mobile suit. They blew his up, remember? So they, you know, I don't know. The situation is dire for our heroes. 
Brian, do you predict the Jupiter Empire is going to pull a gear in? At some point later in the story, they're just going to fire that weapon early. They're going to be like, you know what? We're going to get close to losing. A bunch of Gundams are here. Just shoot. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think, well, I think that's a rule, right? When you make a super weapon in your story that you have to fire it. You have to push the button. Yeah. (laughs) I'm kind of predicting one of these suits that's attacking the heroes at the end of volume one. I have a feeling that they'll be able to capture one and it'll be operational and Gary will take that one. Like they'll knock out the pilot or something like that. Like, yeah, because Geary, I don't see him going back into like a, a mobile suit from uh, Earth, the Earth sphere. Yeah, I agree. He has to be in a Jupiter suit of some kind. So I would have liked to see them take a Jupiter gun to Isaac. I thought that would have been cool. Ooh, damn, that'd be so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, knowing them, they're going to run into one when they get to the Jupiter sphere. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we'll see one, but not in the way we want. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's volume one, everybody, of steel seven in terms of Haro's isaac i think i'd give it a you know solid eight out of ten the story is just starting so i don't think i've seen enough yet to, to go into the nine territory but i really liked it i really enjoyed it and i'm excited to read the next one yeah i'm right there with you i'm gonna give it a four out of five even though it feels very much like we're playing the same the same beats of crossbone gundam it's taken us into a well-done sequel story where the threat's pretty big, pretty major, and our heroes are once again under the clock to save the day. So I'm enjoying it. It's not a complete retread, and I'm curious about what happens next for the next two volumes. And the last thing I have to say, Isaac, is they're going after the Death Gale squad, Isaac, which means the Europa and Rosemary Raspberry are going to be together. The two most <laughs> voluptuous Jupiter women out there are going to be in the same story. <laughs> so hopefully it's animated with, um, shall we say, uh, discretion for the sake of the story and not <laughs> pure fan service. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think half of this stuff is going to make it into the anime version. It's particularly all the uh, Bernadette shower scenes. So We really don't need the hot spring. <laughs> nope, don't think we need the hot spring. <laughs> it adds nothing. Like I know Europa's new to Earth and stuff, but I, I, I'm not sure she'd be wowed by a hot spring compared to things like, you know, trees and animals <laughs> and the stars and... <laughs> sunlight um (laughs) all right everybody make sure to like comment subscribe isaac take us away all right listeners before you go to sleep tonight stand next to your bed get on your knees put your hands together look up at the ceiling and hail crux dogate's memory good night everybody